Hey everybody, welcome to episode 100 of the Masterclass. Dave, we did it, man. Yes, 100 episodes. There's got to be at least one good one in there, right? Somewhere. Hopefully. I think there's like four or five. I'll, I'll, I can live with that. Okay. But we are here. It is episode 100. We're super excited. We are in a very special, undisclosed location because we have a very special guest with us this evening. Dave, would you do the honors and introduce our special guest? Sure. We have tonight with us is Mr. Dan Diebel. And uh, Dan is a pastor of a church here in Kansas City. Uh, Dan and I used to work at that church together uh, 15 some years ago. Wow. Yeah, it's been a while. And um, I don't know. Dan just is a godly man that has a desire for those who don't know Jesus to come to know him and is a great example of humility and how we do the Christian walk of just in our own uh, brokenness, uh, but also with this just um, reflection of Christ and how he lives his life. So I really appreciate Dan and uh, the example that he is. So thank you, Dan, for being here tonight and your willingness to give up a chunk of your night to be on the master class. So yeah. Totally kind. Incredibly gracious. Thank you. Fun to be with you guys. All right. I think we have one thing to talk about before we get into the the meat of the show. For those of you that don't know, we've been selling t shirts and hoodies for the past couple of weeks. This is the last week, guys and ladies, the last week. Dave, what did the t shirts say? These are t-shirts that I wore as a youth pastor, and it says, look busy. No, it says, Jesus is coming, look busy. <laughs> <laughs> we sold, we sold uh, I think we sold about a handful, which is good. So are these old t-shirts that you're just no. resurrecting, as it were? Well, yeah. He, yeah, so they're brand new printed. I, I redesigned them for... Okay. Now, yeah, they're not they're not found at a garage sale. They are brand new printed. Either way would be cool. But. Yeah, either way. And I do have some from my, from when my dad was a youth pastor back in the 80s still. like They're like paper thin now. Right. And they say sin sucks. That's you know, Romans 23, the way to sin is death or whatever. That classic, you know, Frankie says <laughs> relax type. <laughs> <laughs> so Christians, right? We rip everything off. Yes. So yeah, so if you want to get in on the t-shirts and the hoodies, uh, there'll be a link in the show notes. It's teespring.com slash masterclass. Check them out. Lots of color options. Anything else? Do you want, anything, want to say anything, Dan? No, this is, this is fun. Uh, I'm excited. You and, look very comfortable, by well, the way. Well, thanks. And the 100th episode, you didn't tell me. I got I to, didn't, I I didn't got to sit you. in on the 100th no, episode. <laughs> yeah. It's amazing. Yeah, I didn't really have to do the hard sell with Dan. He was quite generous to give up his time so i mean what's that it was like centennial episode mm-hmm. wow for the for the uh yeah and we land on the crucifixion for the hundredth episode totally not planned either wow so yeah well i don't know that we quite yeah we're close not quite it's there. like biblical numerology kind of kind of thing there yeah we gotta fit a seven and a three in here somehow mm. possible all right well I think it's time to just get in, get into the uh, to the scripture, Dave. What do you say? You want to 
read it for us? Yes. So we are at Matthew 27, verse 27. And I'm going to read like 20 plus verses here. So hang with me. Uh, We will not probably discuss each of those in depth, but uh, it gives you some context of what is going on here. So uh, we'll start with verse 27. And this says, starts with Jesus is mocked. Then the soldiers of the governor took Jesus into the governor's quarters and they gathered the whole battalion before him. And they stripped him and put a scarlet robe on him. And twisting together a crown of thorns, they put it on his head and put a reed in his right hand. And kneeling before him, they mocked him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews. And they spit on him and took the reed and struck him on the head. And when they had mocked him, they stripped him of his robe and put his own clothes on him and led him away to, be crucif- to crucify him. As they went out, they found a man of Cyrene, Simon by name. They compelled this man to carry his cross. And when they came to a place called Golgotha, which means place of a skull, they offered him wine to drink mixed with gall. But when he tasted it, he would not drink it. And when they had crucified him, they divided his garments among them by casting lots. Then they sat down and kept watch over him there. And over his head they put the charge against him, which read, This is Jesus, the King of the Jews. Then two robbers were crucified with him, one on the right and one on the left. And those who passed by derided him, wagging their heads and saying, You who would destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days, save yourself. If you are the Son of God, come down from the cross. So also the chief priests with the scribes and elders mocked him, saying, He saved others. He cannot save himself. He is the King of Israel. Let him come down now from the cross, and we will believe in him. He trusts in God. Let God deliver him, if he desires him. For he said, I am the Son of God. And the robbers who were crucified with him also reviled him in the same way. Now, from the sixth hour, there was darkness over all the land until the ninth hour. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice saying, Oh boy. (laughs) No, Jesus didn't say, Oh boy. Yeah, I'm going to butcher this. Okay, Eli, Eli, Lemma, Sabachthani. That is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? So that's the key part if you're listening. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And some of the bystanders hearing it said, this man is calling Elijah. And one of them at once ran and took a sponge, filled it with sour wine, and put it on a reed and gave it to him to drink. But the other said, wait. Let us see whether Elijah will come and save him. And Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit. And behold, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom, and the earth shook, and the rocks were split. The tombs opened, and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised. And coming out of the tombs after his resurrection, they went into the holy city and appeared to many. When the centurion and those who were with him kept watch over Jesus, saw the earthquake and what had took place, and what took place, they were filled with awe and said, truly, this was the Son of God. I'll stop there. All right. Thanks, Dave. That was, <laughs> that was good. It was long. So, you yeah, nailed, it was you long. Nailed, you nailed that uh, foreign language, too. Yeah, I should have probably prepared. Uh, Aramaic, but so, right? Yes. So in all of that, essentially, we have the one sentence by Jesus, which is, my God, my God. Why have you forsaken me? Yeah, and we're going to get to that uh, for sure. But there's, there's lots of other stuff that 
I don't know about you guys when you read this, it sticks out to me. Uh, the the first portion, verses 27 through 31, um, I kind of always skipped over it. Not skipped, but just kind of skimmed over it to get to the real important thing. But you read this, and you realize that these soldiers are completely putting on a show for themselves. Like, they're taking this prisoner, they're dressing him up like a king, they give him this crown that, you know, is meant to hurt and cause pain. They give him the reed to make him, you know, look kingly, even though they're mocking him. And then the very thing that they use to mock him, they then take from him and beat him with. And it just strikes me as, like, you see in the movies, the soldiers, you know, around the the fire pit, you know, or in the big circle, and they're, you know, toying with the slaves, you know, like Game of Thrones style or any of the other medieval movies. And, and they're toying with these slaves like they're mice, only to squash them and to show their real might. And so I read this and I'm just like, oh, like, did they, they don't, they don't know. They, they're doing what they do. They just don't realize who they're doing it to. And the fact that Jesus just takes, to me, I think is the, not startling isn't the right word, but, uh, I guess it's startling to me because I would not take it. I would probably just wind up getting killed. Um, but the fact that, again, it, this is not the first time in this chapter or this, you know, this end of his life on earth where he has just, he has not defended himself. He's chosen not to defend himself. And uh, it just, it's very interesting to me to think of Jesus as this. Uh, entertainment hmm. for these soldiers. Hmm. Yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah, and they spit on him, and they took the reed and struck him on the head. And when they had mocked him, they stripped him of the robe, and then they put his own clothes back on him. Like, okay, the show's over. You go back to the clothes yeah. you had on before. Hope you sleep well. You're going to die tomorrow. Like, hmm. it's just... It's pretty brutal. Yeah, they just have they have no concept of who it is um, that they are doing this to, and it is certainly certainly cringe, um, cringe worthy. Yeah, I'm a, <clears throat> this little passage. I just I was just thinking about how do you twist together a crown of thorns. You make another slave do it for you, probably. Yeah, that's probably true. I wouldn't do it if I was one of the soldiers. <laughs> yeah, I mean, what would would they have certain tools and you know? Potentially, yeah, <laughs> but I mean, that that takes forethought and malice, right? I guess just yeah. I mean, my wife had me. Uh, she had me uh, prune our our rose bushes. You know, we have three or four or five of them at our house. And it's like, you know, obviously you get the long sleeves, you get the whole thing. And then you clip, which is not a a big deal, but you got to be super careful. And then just even placing them into the garbage bin that we use, you know, just I'm using these little clippers. Like, it's not like I'm even touching them. I'm just carefully, like, pinching them so I've got them and I'm placing, I mean, it's like I'm doing surgery, you know, (laughs) like this kind of thing. And, uh. I was just thinking, you know, and, and I, of course, one of the little, you know, thorns pricked me. And I was like, oh, my goodness, just the ner- it just, it shot through my whole body, you know. And I was just even thinking, like, how, 
how do you twist a crown of thorns? Like just even in the making of that. Um, uh, yeah, it's interesting. You're right. They probably had slaves do it. And then obviously just the, the, the amount of nerves being crushed when it was not just placed on his head, but impressed upon his skull. Yeah, and then beaten with the reed on. I mean, Ugh. yeah, yeah, and just that. I mean, who even thinks of that? Who even thinks? Okay, we got to get this guy a crown. Mm-hmm. I know. Hmm. Let's do it. With, uh, uh, huh. I mean, who thinks yeah, of that? Really I mean, sadistic. that's a, yeah. That well, is a. But to be fair, these are the people that crucify people. Yeah. It's not like being sadistic and being. Uh, grossly uh, violent is something that's foreign to these people, right? That is interesting. It's almost like, um, well, probably just to keep yourself somewhat engaged, you have to be creative. But it's almost like they picked the theme. The theme is kingship on this one. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. So it'd be interesting to go back historically and just go, did they, did they kind of pick a different theme? And, and I loved how you said it, Cam. It was, it was like... Jesus became their form of entertainment. A little bit like how um how Herod brought out um, you know, his wife to dance for him. You know, mm-hmm. it's like the the entertainment, it's just this big show. They call the company of soldiers around him and, and this whole thing. And it's a show of power too. It's a total show of power. Which which I'm curious to kind of get further into how that how that looks in the passage. Mm-hmm. But it'd be it'd be interesting historically. With other crucifixions, because we know they happen all the time. Um, what were the other themes, you know, that based upon the penalty of, by which they were yeah. being oh. sentenced to death, um, the, the notoriety around why they were um, being crucified, and does it become this little bit of a stage production? I've never thought about that. It's fascinating. Yeah, I very much so. I think it did. I'm sure that's probably what it, it was kinda... like. Yeah, it kind of scares me to think about that. Like, what would they do for someone who was, like, convicted of adultery or rape or something? Right. Like, it would just get super... Well, yeah, and how desensitized are they already Mm -hmm. just to what they do? And So, Dave, of course, you know I'm always fascinated by your (laughs) line of work. So, so, so just, I, I mean, we're talking about the sadistic nature of of this and what runs through your brain as a police officer. Yeah, it and that was um my initial kind of response to this and a bit of my pause was as I was saying how what kind of a sadistic person and and just morbid and warped this is yeah, there was very much this sense of you get jaded when you have to see yeah. these kinds of things. Yeah. And and when this is your job. Yeah, because I, I personally I I recall being on a death scene. We had an unattended death that was going to have to be investigated. Probably not a homicide, but nobody was present when the person died and so you uh, are saying is you only get one chance to do it right the first time. And so we take every death with as, the crime scene. With the crime scene, scene, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And so um, but we were out there and it was me, a, a sergeant and a detective. I was a patrol officer and, um, somebody made a joke and I laughed 
Hmm. And I laughed to the point to loud enough so that the brother of the deceased could hear it. And he, from a distance, yells, I'm glad you can laugh about this. My brother's dead. And it just shot me to the heart. Wow. And um, so. Wow. We're not crucifying anybody. We're not doing what these guys are doing, but we're working a death scene. And and one of the things that you you have to do to function is you use humor. Yeah. Is 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 warped as that probably is? You use humor to deal yeah. with it. Yeah. But, and I have a tendency to laugh in the wrong moments. But, huh. um, that particular one didn't. And then, at that time, I'd been, I'd been away from the church less than a year, and so my sergeant looks at me and goes, "You are going to make this right, and you're going to do this. You're gonna you're going to conduct the service for them." And I'm like, I'm, I'm literally like high pucker factor. This Meaning moment of as, going, as a pastor? Yeah, he, like he looks at me and goes, you're a pastor. You're going to make this right. You're going to offer to do the services for them. And he was totally joking with me. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> but as a brand new patrol officer who was pretty naive and had spent right. many years working in the church, I'm like, okay, yes, sir. Sorry, sir. I'm, I'm so sorry. sorry. And wow. then they started laughing at that. So it wow. just morbid. So, okay. yeah, dealing with death. Um, Dealing yeah. with death is is never easy, and we use different mechanisms to deal with that. So, but there's a compartmentalization, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Um, there's a, is there a disassociation as well that mm-hmm. goes on with it? And then I don't know if you guys read the the historical fiction, The Robe. The yes, robe. many years yeah. ago, right? The robe, yeah, like, like the 1950s. Oh, I think is when it okay, was written. I probably read it in the 90s. But you probably read it in the 90s. Yeah, and I it maybe it what. I, I don't remember when it came out. Show notes. But uh, <laughs> um, but as I recall, and I haven't read it in probably 20 years either, but these soldiers are so hardened, so, um, again, desensitized, that, and they're half-sauced all the time. Mm-hmm. They kind of have to be, right? Right, right, you know? And... Um, and as you said, Cam, th- then there's this this whole display of power, not to mention the one-upmanship that goes on when guys are involved with anything. Yeah. Well, and then, too, you throw into it that, and we'll, I, I want to get into this further later on in the passage, but it's Romans crucifying the king of the Jews. Yeah. We're in power. We control this area. Uh, and I think that is another mm. layer to the whole thing, too, yeah. which I think we can get into when we actually they put that sign on the crown, because I think that sends a clear message, too. Mm whole lot of people for yeah. sure yeah. um yeah hmm. so next next passage perhaps no same passage next verse there mm-hmm. we go uh so they go out they find this guy named simon making carries cross i always thought that was weird like why not make jesus carry him maybe he just couldn't but mm-hmm. it's again, well, it's, it, it's again one of those details too, where the author doesn't have to put it in. Right. Well, it, it, and this is this personally for me is one of the things that I find. The crucifixion is one of those things that I often get confused with. What's in the Bible, and what have I seen in movies? What have I heard in sermons? What have I read? Like, yeah. Because my recollection is, is Jesus was did try to carry the cross mm-hmm. and then he fell down. And so they got this other person to do it. Mm. 
So as I'm saying this, I'm like, is that recorded in Luke? Yeah. Is that Mark? Or is that something that I'm recalling because I saw it in mm-hmm. a movie about the yeah, crucifixion? Passion of the Christ. Passion of the Christ. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great question. Which I think the Passion of the Christ does a great job of portraying the soldiers that we were just talking about. Mm. I think that's one of those. I think the whole thing is probably worth any Christian seeing Mm -hmm. because you really realize how much blood was involved. um, Yeah. And Jesus literally becoming hamburger for us. Yeah. Um, Anyway, sorry. Fine. You're not going to, it's your podcast too, Dave. You can talk about whatever you want. All right. Uh, and they came to a place called Golgotha, which means place of a skull. Um, intimidating. Like, if you're going to go to a place where you know you're going to die and it's called that, like, that's got to be intentional too, right? Mm. Yep. Uh, they offered him wine to drink mixed with gall, but when he tasted it, he would not drink it. Okay, so I looked this up because that is my wine mixed with gall seems weird. In Mark chapter 15, verse 22, they say that it's wine mixed with myrrh. Hmm. And I find it interesting that two synoptic gospels would have same detail, but ingredients be different. Unless gall and myrrh are interchangeable. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask. I was going to profess my ignorance. Yeah. Is there... Well, because I was like, because he gets offered wine here, and then he gets offered a sour wine later on, and so I did a little research and Right. According to an article I found on DesiringGod.com or .org, whatever pipe website is, uh, they said that the wine with the myrrh in it was meant to help ease the pain. Yeah. So the thought that Jesus refused that wine was, you know, him saying, no, I'm going to take this. The full brunt. The full brunt of what, you know, God's wrath requires. Yeah. So when he tasted it and refused and it, it, out. it wasn't I tasted it and, ew, it's got gall well, in it. I'm it's, assuming it is. He knew what it was, and said, he no. tasted it and said, "This is an anesthetic." Uh, yeah, what's the anesthetic? word? Anesthetic. Thank you. And I'm not going to do that. That's that's what this article was trying to Interesting. communicate. Versus the sour wine at the end is meant to was like a normal drink, and they said it was because of the water situation back then, where water wasn't mm. necessarily sanitized. Yeah, that this would be a better hydration. Mm-hmm. for him than just, you know, any old water. Because uh, at that point, too, that's when they're like, wait, let's see if Elijah shows up, because it sounds like he's calling Elijah. But no, it's not. Mm-hmm. So I just, uh, I thought that the the difference between this and Mark was interesting. Mm. Um, and also the the thought of why he would spit it out. Mm-hmm. You know, and, yeah. and was that intentional or was he just like so physically distraught that the thought of even having something in his stomach was just unpalatable or, you know, and I don't want to focus on that too much, but I'll have that, that article in the show notes if you guys want to go check it out and see what um, they had to say. Hmm. Uh, um. Jump into verse thirty-six. Yeah. Unless there's something else, you guys. The one of the things that really ca- caught me that I I just had not thought about much was after doing all these things, um, 
when they had crucified him, they divided up his clothes by casting lots. And sitting down, they kept watch over him there. And, I, and uh, again, this is all just kind of reading and just sensing, you know, questions, observations, without study. But I was like, okay, when exactly does a Roman guard and centurion sit down on the job? Like, that must have been the final act of completion. And, Cam, you were saying earlier, uh, Roman domination over the the heralded or proclaimed king of the Jews, right? And so sitting down has this sense of finality, this sense of domination. He is so dead, or at least so weakened, that we can now completely sit down. We don't need to stand at attention. We don't need to stand at watch. And so it has, it to me, and I'd never seen this before in this light, it had this sense of job accomplished. We can sit down now in domination of another Jewish, you know, uh, wannabe Messiah mm-hmm. or whatever. It's interesting you say that because when I thought about it, I was like, I focus more on the, and they kept watch over him part. Like, I just totally skipped over the fact that they sat down. Hmm. Um, but I think it was very interesting what you said. And, but the way I was like, oh, we're just going to watch. Like, we're going conti- to watch our handiwork. We're going to enjoy watching this guy die relish it almost yeah but but then also watch over him to make sure you know none of his compatriots try and right get him off the cross but yeah i sure i hadn't thought of the yeah we're done like we can well yeah and uh, to me it also um it went to um there was there seemed to be this parallel for me in hebrews 12 Mm -hmm. where it says in jesus uh Despised the cross, scorned the shame, and and sat down at the right hand uh, of the Father. I'm paraphrasing. Mm-hmm. Um, kings sit down, not attendants. And so, uh, sitting down to me has a um, carries a, an authority, authority, and even a, a regal or royal sense about it. Mm-hmm. And so, here the guards are sitting down in domination of another uh, Jewish uprising. Of sorts, um, and yet we walk this out from grave death to resurrection to ascension to its Jesus the, is the one who's sitting down, the right hand of God. at the right hand of God, and that connects for me very recently um, in the last a week. I felt like the Lord has taken me back to a moment in my life that I've been extremely embarrassed by and and ashamed of. And, um, and just last week, I was just like, why is this coming back up in my mind? And, and um, I was just, uh, and this is probably why I saw the words sitting down in this passage this time. Um, <clears throat> and and uh, so, so much to say about that, you know, another time, but, um, but I was taken back to Hebrews 12. And not only has Jesus bore that, for me on the cross, scorned the shame of it all, but he sits down. And if you think about a king at his court, the only ones that stand are the attendants to the king. The king never stands. And so here's this beautiful picture of he stands at the, or he sits, sorry, at the right hand of the father as king, you know, as, as having the full inheritance to the throne. And uh, that meant the world to me in just that moment of 
being taken back to this moment of shame. Okay, Lord, why are you taking me there? And, and I just had this sense like, he's like, yes, I've forgiven you. I just want to take you to a new layer of freedom in this thing for you. And the fact that Jesus bore that shame and now is seated as king over it all, which just kind of, for me, had this sense of release. He sits on the throne. Um, he's conquered that. He's scorned the shame. And I'm free. And and so then uh, you guys throw in this passage out, and just seeing that, man, the, they must have felt pretty smug sitting down. <laughs> you know? Absolutely. And um, and yet, who's the last one sitting? You know, it's the phrase, the last one standing. Who's the last? <laughs> who's the last one sitting? And it's Jesus on the throne. And um, and that means something for me in my life. You know, because if the last one sitting were those Roman guards and not Jesus, we'd be we'd be in a lot of trouble right now, boys. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, uh, it's just funny because. You talk about, you know, being a police officer and in the, like in the duty, you're in uniform and you're conducting, you're, you're doing police business. Like you don't sit down. Hmm. Like you just like, I, I think about that and it's just like, we just don't do that. You know, you can be on the perimeter of a crime scene and you, you stand, yeah. you don't sit. Yeah. People will bring you into their living room and want to make a police report and they'll say, have a seat. And we're like, no, uh, I'll stand. Huh. And it's like, yeah. Um, so as you're saying that, th- like there is just this element of like, like you said, it's the King who sits. Mm-hmm. It's not the attendance. It's not the, you know, you, you just, you don't do that. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, it, 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 uh, I don't know that I'm conveying. When, would, when, do, when do you sit as a police officer when you get back to the station? Uh, you sit in your car. I mean, okay. that's, that's yeah, you know, you yeah. sit in your car, and then you sit, you sit during your meal break. Uh-huh. But, but it's a sense of finality, like uh, you're done kind of thing. Yeah, if you're, yeah there, there's definitely, a, if you're sitting down, if you're sitting down, you are not doing the job. Mm-hmm. Or the job's over. The job's over, yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. Well, this little bit of smugness, as Dan referred to it as, which I quite enjoy thinking of it that way, continues in 37 where they say, and over his head they put the charge against him, which read, this is Jesus, the king of the Jews. And I teased my, my thought about this earlier. Um, but I think the design serves two major purposes. One, it's a mockery of Jesus. Just like the crown of thorns, just like the purple robe, just like the, you know, the reed that's supposed to be the staff. You say that you're a king. We're going to call you king as we kill you. Mm. We're going to give you the title that you deserve. But I also think that it's a pretty cold reminder to all of the Jewish people watching him die. This is your king. This is the one that you believed in. This is the one that was going to save you. And this is the proof of our dominance over, you mm-hmm. know, your entire people. Mm. And it's like, man, imagine being one of those people. You know, obviously none of his disciples are there because they all scattered. 
maybe they were watching from far away, but it's not recorded as far as you know I'm aware. But just the the hope of the folks that were watching that was squashed had to have been like you know when you put out a fire and you and it just it's all just smoke and everything that was there is just gone. Mm-hmm. Or like the uh, you know, the whoosh of air out of a room when a vacuum was released. Like, it just had to have been completely deflating, I would yeah. think. Hmm. So, to me, there's this, there's even an element of, um, I, I guess I was under the assumption that they would hang the charge above somebody. This is why mm. you're that being is the crucified. Charge. Well, but, but, but I'm just saying that everybody would have had that sign. Yeah. So, so mm. as, as they're hanging these signs up, mm. you know, almost from kind of the perspective of, of Pontius Pilate. So they get to Jesus and they're like, so what are we going to put above him? Well, they crucified him because he's king of the Jews. So really? That's, that's the charge? Yeah. yeah. So we're going to put on the sign, we're going to put king of the Jews. Yeah. That's really why we're crucifying this guy. Like there's almost an absurd why well, obviously there's an absurdity to it, but I would even think for the Roman soldiers of just this is this is it. This is why this guy is getting the worst worst death possible. Worst I can't talk. Worst death possible is that um he is king of the Jews. Well, and is it in John's account where the Jewish leadership, they take real, real offense to this, mm-hmm. and they try to get Pontius Pilate to change it. To change the sign? Yeah. And Pontius like, hey. Well, because the whole point of them getting him killed was oh, yes. that, no, we have the this power, the not him. the last thing we want. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And even, and even in that, they can't get what they want. <laughs> and for the first time ever, Pontius Pilate is resolute and has a spine. <laughs> He's like, no, what has been done is done. It's like... Dude, could you not have been more decisive earlier? Oh, man, I think he was making vacation plans and trying to get the heck out of Dodge. He probably was. Yeah. Um, you know, that, that's interesting just about, you know, the, the charge over you. Um, yeah, I, and that sounds familiar to me, but um, I'm trying to think, is that biblical or extra biblical? So it's a good question. Makes me wonder just what would our charge be, you know? What would the charge, like on me or my charge against him or? Uh, no, I was just thinking, so if, if Jesus died for our sins, for, okay. yeah, I mean, it's a complex answer, you know, but, but maybe the way to frame it would be, sure, there's no hierarchy of sin, sin is sin and all that stuff, and yet we bear different amounts of shame over different things in our life. And so... If there is a if there is a resonant shame in us that the Lord would want to heal or release us from, what is what what would that charge that the enemy or even ourselves we bring against ourselves that would be over mm-hmm. <laughs> over our cross? Not asking us to answer it, by the way. No, but what what would be yeah, yeah. what would be my charge yeah. and that Jesus would want to remind us today, look, there's, like, I've, I, I took this to the cross, yeah, and you don't need to take it any longer. That's a, that's a very good question to think about. 
And and really, to, to, I mean, to think about, not just to say, oh, well, you know, but, yeah. but again, what what is the shame in your life? What is the root of that shame? Why yes. is it still yep. shame? Why, like, there's, there's like things that you regret and there's things like, ah, probably should, but like shame is something that yep. is in its own, like it's got gravity to it, mm-hmm. you know, yes. and the shame wants to pull you into it. Yes. And Jesus would rather say, you know what? <laughs> I took care of that. Let me pull you away from the gravity and into, into me and to my righteousness. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think, I think we would, we would all do very well to, to think on that for sure. Well, and maybe it's something to invite the Holy Spirit to bring revelation to what that is. That maybe in our, you know, in, in the top of our minds and hearts, we're not even aware of, but it's, it's buried pretty deep. You know, I think that's something, maybe someone listening to this just knows, you know. But maybe for others of us, we just need to trust the, the good Spirit of God to to just examine us in a way that might bring revelation of what that is. And it could be a surprise to some of us. So I think there's a work of just listening there. To your point, Cam, um, it's maybe not just thinking, what's the worst thing I've ever done in my life? <laughs> um, maybe there's, there's something that's, that we're carrying pretty deep and we're not even aware of it, but the Lord is aware of it and he wants us to be freed of it. Absolutely. Because he took the charge. Yeah. All right, then it says, the two robbers were crucified with him, one on the right, one on the left, uh, and those who passed by derided him, wagging their heads. Like, again, another ridiculous detail to include, right? But it helps you understand. Like, mm-hmm. I try, I, I've tried to, figure out how I would handle, like, I, I don't know why people go to these things. Or like in the movies when they execute the bad guy, why are people in the room watching? Mm-hmm. Like, that's the last thing I ever want to do. Yeah, or lynchings. In yeah, the, or in... especially like if I follow this guy, I want to go watch him die. Like, right. I, anyways, but the fact that they're walking by and wag, like wagging their heads and shaming this guy who's in, who's being tortured to death can't breathe who's been punctured who's been and they're walking by just shaking their head like tisk 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 jesus you misbehaved it's just like the the hubris because you're not the one on the cross is it's i don't know why it's surprising because i know people and that's how people are yeah but it's social media just played out in the- <laughs> well that's that's exactly because because it's Oh, I didn't even think about that. Yeah. Oh my goodness! Because it's isn't well, it SMH that people put shaking my head. Yep. Shake my head, and it's just I. Oh my gosh! <laughs> oh no! Yeah, so it's in us. It oh, is no. in us. It's so in us. But these yeah. people actually had the uh, what's the word I want? It, the appropriate word I want to use here. They had the courage to actually do it in, in person. In front of, face-to-face. <laughs> See, I was yeah. going to say audacity. Yeah, audacity. Yeah, well, I was going to say something else. Right. <laughs> yeah, they had the audacity to do it to his face. Which, honestly, maybe I have more respect for you if you can do right. it to my face. Right. I mean. Goodness, that totally changes how I look at that now. 
thinking about it as social media. Twitter trolls, man. Yeah. Uh, and they and 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 again, their mocking continues. You who would destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days, save yourself. If you're the son of God, come down from the cross and yada yada. And then, then the chief priests and the elders, the people who should know better, get in on it, saying he saved others, he can't even save himself. Yeah, he's the king of Israel. Let him come down now from the cross, and we will believe him. He trusts in God. Let God deliver him now. But here's the thing: that's not all that unreasonable, is it? I mean, hmm. is it is it that unreasonable? To go, okay, this guy was doing this, and he's doing that. I, I'm standing here watching him die on the cross. Wait, wait. In in the moment, present there, seeing that, why is that not an acceptable, a reasonable sort of like? Well, crud, he's not what he was he seemed to be. Because I don't think that any of them actually believed he was who he said he was. Otherwise they wouldn't be mocking him openly. Yeah. I okay. think it's I I mean, obviously I'm I'm operating from hindsight and having the end of the story already told, but it just it seems to me that they don't think he can do it. Not that he's choosing not to, but that he can't because he's a joke. I th- again think it's a power play from the elders and the chief priests, but it also shows that they don't understand what's actually happening. Well, yeah, I definitely agree that it shows that they don't understand. But I, I guess for me, you take anybody and you put them in this situation. Mm-hmm. This is the moment where this is kind of the appropriate response. Like, I really think saying, oh, like, like even maybe not even just from a mocking standpoint, but being a disciple and just being disappointed in this, this whole thing, because it's not until the resurrection occurs that there really is kind of this like, okay, now I've got to make a choice. Because mm-hmm. in that moment of crucifixion, you're really not being, nobody be called to say, oh, he is who he says he was, and I'm going to believe him till the end. I don't yeah, know. he's and not I'm calling not you to make to def- your bet at that point right. on what's going to happen next. But I think what, what really bothers me about their stance here is, yeah, they don't understand. No one understands what's happening, not even the disciples. Like, they're gone. No one but Jesus knows what's actually happening here. And so to your point, yeah, it is a reasonable response for these people to be like, even if they're not mocking, you just say like, you healed this guy. He was a leper. This one was blind. You healed that guy's kid. You, you know, you healed this woman of her, you know, bleeding for her entire, you know, adult life. Why can't you do this yourself? Like, yeah, that I think is a reasonable response. But when it comes from the people that think that they are better than him and never actually believed what he said or who he was, it to me, it's just, it is typical kicking a man while he's down. Mm. And it's just typical human behavior well, yeah. to say, you know, mm, you're not so high and mighty now, are you, Jesus? And, and to mock a person who is being tortured to death, like, that just is inexcusable. No matter, no matter how much you didn't like that person or, you know, how threatened you were by him, I just... I'd like to think I wouldn't do it. I probably would. (laughs) Well, it was a shaming culture back then, and we're becoming increasingly one again, uh, as manifested over social media. So you say kicking a man while he's down. 
I mean, who doesn't love to do that when one of our celebrities fall or one of our athletes fall or, I mean, anybody. I mean, so and I, the thing that I wonder is, I don't know, you know, was it last week you guys talked about mob mentality mm-hmm. and those things, herd mentality, those kinds of And so I don't know how many fans Jesus had um, by the time he got to this point. I mean, the minute he turned towards the temple, and cleansed it instead of turning towards the Roman garrison uh, to attack it. I mean, that's, that's what the whole triumphal entry was, was about to the crowds, mm-hmm. was, okay, it's, it's, it's go time. Yeah. And the minute Jesus didn't do that, and then, of course, getting arrested, and, I mean, everything that then leads up to this very moment. I think, to your point, Dave, all but maybe Mary the mother of the Son of God, and her dear friends. Uh, and John, John's there. Uh, but other than that, I, I think just the amygdala has flooded for everybody. I think they're completely not working from their frontal cortex of their brain. Their executive privileges of their, <laughs> their brains are shot, and they're just lost in a moment. And so I guess I kind of agree with you. I, like, It's a hard question to say. What would I have done there? I, I asked that about the civil rights era or during the slavery days. Would I have been somebody that stood up and said, this is wrong, you know, or to be at the foot of the cross and say, I don't care if he's right or wrong, disillusioned or a lunatic or what, this is wrong. Man, that's a frightening question to ask of ourselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, I, and, and, it, and it, I think that's in our, in our walk with with Christ and the desire to become more like him there needs to be those moments for us of just what do i think that i have right that i have wrong yeah and yeah. can you show wow, me can you show me god what it is that i think i have right that i have wrong mm. or maybe even more appropriate is what am i holding near and dear what am i giving uh more uh, credence to than I should in terms of my faith and and what really matters in in, in terms of eternity, mm. um, because I think we latch on to things that that really just are not as significant as what we think they are, mm. and some of those things in the whole scheme of it maybe are harmless, and if they're never resolved, well, God's grace is 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 pretty awesome, so. I think <laughs> we're good, but yeah, thank goodness. Yeah, but I just, I, I just know personally, and I'll quit rambling here. Is just there, I know there's things that I think are so important that I hold dear that I think that I have right that I don't, and yep. I, I desire for those things not to be in my life. Hmm. Well, we we see a moment. Um, did we read it? I can't remember if I read it or we read it uh, here on the air, but. There was a centurion. Mm-hmm. It did take, you know, dead bodies coming out from graves and, you know, the sky going black for him to go, I may have gotten this wrong, the centurion, <laughs> you know? Yeah, to me, that's one of the biggest, oh, crap moments, like, in history. Yes. And that guy just goes, oh, no. Could you imagine? No. I mean, that would be ama- I mean... To yeah. know that it's like not one of those only... things that I think, like intellectually, I'd love to be there, but I think physically, I'd be like, <gasps> like I just right. I would lose it because, 
like the people coming out of the tombs it's like walking dead style like no i'm no thank you oh total zombie yeah. land yeah yeah except it, that they were like alive but just talk about a weird tuesday or whatever day of the week it was what day would this have been this would have been uh friday yeah or good friday, saturday right? oh yeah no it'd been friday still yeah yeah, and that's I, I think Freaky that even Friday. goes I think that even goes back to what I think what I was talking about was that's when that's maybe even more so than the resurrection. Uh, that moment. Maybe not more so. But so when the centurion and those who were with him keeping watch over Jesus saw the earthquake and what took place, they were filled with awe and said, Truly, this was the Son of God. So there is that moment of if you're, well, I don't know what moment it was, but you, you, almost a, you have to either, you have to choose now. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, as much as is, not to, anyway, I'm having, I, I'm having a multitude of thoughts and I'm, oh, I'm trying man. to, I'm like trying to process multiple thoughts all at once and sound somewhat intelligible in, intelligible? Is that right? We'll go with it. <laughs> we'll go with it. Yeah. <laughs> Intelligible. Uh, our well, I, I make up I'll, words I'll jump on in this with spot. you. No, this is great. I love to make up words, too. There's a, there's economy in the way that's written, because if, if we put ourselves in the centurion's sandals, and all of this is going down, and he says, exclaims, surely he was the Son of God. Most certainly, he's saying more than that. He's saying, um, surely he was the son of God that I just tortured, whipped, beat, spat on, mocked, you know, and was in charge of an entire company under my command. I mean, you know, I don't think in his heart, now unless he completely, re- like you said, he, he, was, he was now brought to a crisis point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he could have repressed it. He could have, but it doesn't seem that way. Yeah. So if we can jump back up. Yep. Sorry. No, you're no, fine. I, I did that. It's it's quite all right. <laughs> you're so forgiving, Cam. Thank you. <laughs> We're talking about Jesus dying on the cross. <laughs> <laughs> you're so Jesus-like. No, that's not where I was going, but thank you. <laughs> okay, jumping jumping back. Uh, yes. The, to, uh, 45, if that's okay with you, gentlemen. Yeah. Did you have something else you wanted to say? Well, just, you know, this is one of those scenes, you know, I know, I know Mel Gibson's done it, but, like, to have uh, Tarantino do it, or, some, like, the, this 360 mockery is what has always compelled me. I mean, just think about, like, if Jesus on the cross could do this, like, 360 circumference of everyone mocking him in this moment. So you have the guards, and you have the guards' commanders. You have the Jewish leadership of the chief priests and the teacher's law. You have the people passing by, right? And then you have the, the person on, if we assume he was in the center. Does it actually say Jesus was crucified in the middle? I, I do, because I think it refers to a, a robber a right, on his left, left and, and right. Left and right, okay. Um, so they're hurling their own insults, heaping insults on him. Am I missing something? So the robbers, uh, the passerbys, the guards. And the chief priests and the scribes. Chief and the priests, right? Um, 
I mean, short of his mom, like, you know, joining in the fray, it's like, that's just intense. So from an identity standpoint, I mean, so I'm a, I'm a people pleaser. I'm an approval junkie. Um, like, the amount of, like, steel in the soul of Jesus. Just that there, you had said earlier, Cam, he didn't defend himself. You know, it says that, you know, in other places, Jesus didn't say a word or he remained silent. I mean, just the resolve to stand in that moment. Um, but just, I, I don't know, I just visually just kind of see the camera going around Jesus and just picture, picturing all these blurred faces and voices and images in kind of this warp speed. It'd be dizzying, yeah. Yeah, it'd be dizzying, yeah. So it's a cinematic moment, mm-hmm. but for oh, me, yeah. it's a... Yeah, I'm see- and like as you describe it, I'm seeing it in my head too, and it's just totally overwhelming to yeah. consider being. And then he has the wherewithal to say, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. It's not in this account in, in Matthew. But it's like, good night. Good night. Yeah, better him than I think anyone else, right? And, right, and who's the them? Especially in the in this scene where, from a three sixty standpoint, they're all mocking him. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. And and it, as you were saying that, I was sort of thinking, okay, so he you got the three sixty, and there's the crowd, and all these people doing this to him. What was he hearing from the father in this moment? Mm. But in this verse, my my answer is nothing. My God, my God, why have right. you forsaken me? Right. Right. And so, like, like as you were initially saying that, I was like, well, but he, he still had God. You know, the Father was taking care of him. But I read a little bit further, and I go, he didn't feel that. He was not experiencing The full that abandonment. Or, yeah. Just. Now, he's quoting Psalm 22 there. Right. So. And that is King David. Right, mm-hmm. like it's an actual like. We know that's King David, and yeah, you even compare the two, and it's like, oh, <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm having this tangent in my brain. No, I mean, I mean, I th- I think that's the general consensus is Jesus experiencing what we most deserve, which is not only punishment for our sins, but even the full abandonment and separation of God in that moment. Well, and it's the first time that he's. In eternity, been separated right from God. Right, and, great point. You know, it's easy to throw the word eternity around, but like, like I'm thirty. Even in earthly terms, I'm still a young guy. Like I've got some life experience, but like, the next twenty years are going to drastically change my view of that experience, mm-hmm. right? And so, if 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 I'm already overwhelmed, or at least just kind of like, man, that's a long time. Imagine, well, we can't. I mean, I'm trying. To, I'm trying to even frame it in a way that you know shows how little time we have on Earth. But like, you, once you start to understand that, like, eternity is is in every way larger and bigger and grander. And uh, I'm 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 running out of words to try and like even like it just doesn't. Our brains don't. Mm-mm. Doesn't compute, Mm-mm. and like I don't, I, like, I, I barely remember high school, and that was like thirteen years ago, right? Mm. 
you know, but Jesus has eternity with God, and in that moment of being separated with Him, like that's. I don't. I don't have an emotion or a word to describe with what was going through him at that point. Hmm. You know, forsaken seems like you know a softball. Right. Doesn't but, seem like enough. Exactly. It's not enough and, of a and, word. <clears throat> and and it's pure conjecture on my part to try and understand. You know what what's going on, but it just like you think about what Jesus is going through, and I don't again don't have anything to equate it to. The only thing I've ever broken is I chipped a knuckle playing flag football. Like that sort of level of pain physically, I don't, I don't understand. I don't, I can't appreciate that sort of emotional pain. I don't know. I can't appreciate that sort of societal and like psychological pain. I don't understand and don't appreciate. And then to throw in the spiritual pain, it's just like, it's totally like great. The word like numbing comes because I just I just don't even know yeah, how can't, to can't get your head around it. Yeah, and and so and, and what I, what pain do you think's worse? Like I, I'll never forget the time I was in college. I was dating this girl, and and we were, she broke up with me or something like that. And I was playing this pickup game of basketball, but I was so in the dumps. It's all I could think about was this girl and the breakup and the whole thing. And then I remember playing pickup basketball, and I got a bloody nose or something. Got mm-hmm. nearly knocked out. And I remember lying on the basketball floor on the court, bleeding out my nose, and just thinking, this is so much better (laughs) to, like, have a physical distraction from my emotional pain right now. Mm -hmm. Now, I'm not not recommending anything here, but... The major major pain solution? Yeah, right. (laughs) Um, Don't take this and run with it, is what I want to say. But um, but I just remember having this like comparison of psychological pain, like what you're saying, Cam, to emotional pain. And it's like, oh, uh, or physical pain, mm-hmm. I should say. Yeah, in some ways, I'll take physical pain because we can put it in a context that you just can't with, hmm. you know, the well. There's there's logic to physical pain, right? Hmm. Is that do you mean it's more tangible? It's I more concrete. It so. Yeah, I can go. Well, and there's direct cause and effect, too. Like, if I put my hand in that fire, I'm going to burn my hand. Like, it makes right. sense. It's logic, you know? Right. But whereas, you know, with psychological or, or emotional pain, it may not make sense why you're reacting the way that you're reacting yeah. or why that person treated you the way that they did. Yeah. You, were, you were best friends. You were dating that girl, and then you broke up. Like, right. Getting blindsided by that sort of stuff and then realizing how invested you were in something that was so fickle or so uh, shifting without yeah. you realizing it. How could you let yourself feel in all the self-preservation and yeah. all of that to say? All that to say. So we look at the scriptures and we, we go, okay, twisting the crown of thorns and the lashings and all those things. But I, what I don't think it gets its fair play <laughs> is all the underlining, and I'm so glad you mentioned it, Kim, the emotional pain, that the spiritual abandonment that mm-hmm. Jesus felt in that moment, the, the cosmic abandonment, you know, the, the full kenosis, the self-emptying. Like, wow. Yeah, it's like, to me, the more you dig into what actually is going on here, the more you're just like, I don't think I want to know anymore. Because, like, I already, like, feel the guilt of, like, Okay, he died because I'm a sinner. 
But then he also went through the emotional and the physical and the, like, and it's just like, yeah. oh, what? Like, how? but no, but that's not. Do you think that's an emotion Jesus is striving for in us? No, no, and it, it's totally my glitch. Oh, okay. Um, and I, yeah, I'm not saying he's trying to shame me, but it's just like the more that like you really think about why he's going through this yeah, and how serious God is about justice and about mm. sin yeah, and about correcting the relationship that we broke. Like that's yeah. what this is all going towards. It's how, how can he, how can he receive the just payment for the sin that was done to him? But how can he do that in a way that totally reconciles him with his people? Yeah. Like, he's not doing it to be vindictive. He's doing it because he wants to fix what we broke. Yeah. Which is incredible. And, you know, for me, I think it's just trying to come to grips with the fact that that I have sinned, and I do sin, and I'm probably going to keep on sinning, hopefully less and less and less and less, you know, as, as the Spirit, you know, builds me. But to know that he had to go to such extremes to fix something that we broke is right. like that's just hard, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. And like I know I'm a screw up, and I and I'm not the only one. And and I it you know it's really easy for I think me and and probably other folks to read this and get super like self centered. Yeah. Um. But it's just yeah it just the more I think about the crucifixion and the reason behind it and, and the the goal it goes towards, it's just like, man, we really missed the boat, like, big time on what this is all about. Mm. And the fact that God is good enough and gracious enough to, to fix it, like, mm. it's crazy. It's crazy. Mm. Crazy. Anything else on... I feel like we could talk about verse 46 for a long time. I, um, you know, my interpretation is Jesus is talking on two levels. One is he's, he's experiencing the full abandonment of God. He's also signaling a, a um, messianic passage from the Psalms that, <laughs> as best I can tell, they're not picking it up. Well, it's just like, even in this point, he's like, no, going like, to fulfill more they're, scripture. They're missing <laughs> the Aramaic, you know? It's like, yeah, you know... Uh, oh, he's talking about Elijah. No, like, no. where? yeah. <laughs> so, again, I haven't researched this, but it's like... <laughs> I mean, could you be G- just thinking Jesus on the cross? <laughs> he, he says this, and they're like, they start talking about Elijah. He's like, wait a minute. Like, where'd that come from, you know? I don't know. I just it seemed like a non sequitur. Yeah. <laughs> like and the other thing too that's funny there to me is like, oh, he's talking about Elijah. Quick, go get him wine so we can see if Elijah like they're more excited to see if Elijah shows up. Yeah. Than to try and comprehend it just the whole yeah. thing just starts to Well get weird. Yeah, and Dave, uh when whenever I wrote this, it wasn't for this reading tonight, but at some point I had written in, in my Bible here, right at this passage, ambulance chasers, you know, the rubbernecking, the whole thing. It's again, oh. just kind of the, and, and, and actually it seems for this whole passage in terms of the crowd mentality, they're just ambulance chasers, the rubberneckers that, you know, 
you know, the, even the people that are crying are being paid there. They're professional mourners there to like weep, you know? Yeah. <laughs> um, which I think is in a different passage. But um, again, I think it comes back to the show, you know, like everyone is caught up in the spectacle of it all. I'm reading Psalm 22, and it's just, yeah, it's amazing the number of parallels that there are even with that Mm. entire verse, and not just the, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me, Mm. including they wag their heads. Oh, interesting. (laughs) Yes. So, sorry. No, that's not at all. Not even a tangent, Dave. Good. Uh, all right, we're almost to the end. We're almost to the end. Uh, in verse 51, it says, And behold, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth shook. The rocks were split. The tombs were opened. Many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised. It's a sci-fi movie at this point. And then this is where we get to the centurion who says, Truly, this was the Son of God. Um, Dan, I wanted to pick your brain about this curtain in the temple. Uh, I remember certain things from from my education. Um, I, I remember all the things you remember. Oh. <laughs> well, hopefully you remember more than I do. Uh, based on my recollection, they're talking about the curtain that separated the, the Holy, Holy Holies from the non-holy yeah. holies. Mm-hmm. And so what's the significance there? I totally put you on the spot. Sorry. Yeah. I mean, <clears throat> well, just off the cuff, I mean, the the high priest could only go beyond that curtain once a year. Um, did, did they or did they not tie a rope around his ankle? They did. The case yeah, they tied a rope around his ankle. With bells. Yeah. <laughs> so if they started jinging, if he wasn't jingling, he was dead in there. <laughs> um, and it was for, uh, you know, to offer the, the atonement on behalf of the sins of the people. I mean, so it's just... Yeah, so the parallels are oh, not at all it's shocking. incredible. And, yeah. you know, the veil doesn't tear from the bottom up. It tears from the top down, you know. So many make... Um, make the point that this is something only God could separate, you know, and create this kind of access for all people. Um, and, it, you know, it, they even foreshadow it. They're like, hey, you're the one that said, you know, destroy this temple in three days and you'll rebuild it. And, and you know, they're totally, Jesus calls his own shot here. Mm-hmm. And then what do we see happening? The, this super woven, thick, you know, curtain that could never really be torn short of being sawed into and here it rips. I wonder if Hulk Hogan. Yeah. Probably not. Yeah, probably not. I thought it was like I had to get one bad joke in this episode, sorry. <laughs> yeah, it's not like fabric. It's like I mean it's like a foot thick or something. Yeah, you're I mean, using it's... yeah, I mean it's it, I mean I, I don't I I'd have to look up, you know. Any of us would have to look up. But it was thick. very thick. It was yeah. not just a... Not a bed sheet. Not a bed sheet thicker than any stage curtain that anybody's mm. ever experienced. Right. It would be thick. Mm. 
My stage experience is limited, Dave. I did not grow up in a musical household. <laughs> <laughs> then you are not part of the Hogue family. No, no, you guys, you guys do like your musicals. We we sing. We make up. We you know our our life is a musical. That's we just I'm just saying. sing about whimsical things at a moment's notice and we have gone off the rails okay i, I want to bring us back because there's one yes. more thing I want to talk <laughs> thank about. you leave it to you're the hired. guest you're hired oh, i'm out i just want a hoodie and yeah. then and then i'll leave you alone uh i haven't thought much about this but it was holy people who had died were raised to life the tombs broke open in verse 52 and the bodies of many holy people, a different translation says, and saints who had died were raised to life. That, I mean, that kind of jacks with my theology, depending on how you read it, you know. I kind of wanted, you know, and all kinds of people, you know. So who were these holy people? Were they holy because of uh, God's grace, you know? Theologically, were they holy, or were these like the absolute stud all-stars, you know? of the faith were they known were they like was it like hebrews 11 just breaking out you know oh, just yeah. the superheroes of the faith abraham moses there he is. yeah uh was it people in their lifetime recently you know buried that they recognized as being holy? i don't know just just curious for me um i i i almost wish it had said like really messed up people you know as a foreshadowing of the last day of the resurrection, um, a foreshadowing of grace. Well, that's interesting. I, I guess my initial thought is, is because the disciples have yet to go to the Gentiles, and it's still focused on the Jews. I wonder if it was just Jewish saints. It's like, okay, everyone, pay attention. I was dead. Now I'm alive. And then you know. And save the messed up, even though there was, I'm sure, plenty of Jews that were messed up, but the, the you know, the truly unholy folks, us, us Gentiles, or when, you know, get into Acts. Mm-hmm. I just, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know either. I don't know. Yeah, it definitely, it definitely messes with my theology to have yes. to wrestle with that because... Well, but I don't even remember this passage. Like I was reading it the other day, and I was like, "Wait a minute, who put that in there?" Since the last time I read this, which part? Like the, the whole the, thing? The, no, the and the tombs were like, <laughs> right. and the, like, and there was dead people. I, yeah, no recollection of that. Yeah. And I've read this how many times? Right, and taught it how many times? And it's in none of the movies I've seen. It was <laughs> That's true. <laughs> it's in none Have of the movies. Have you ever seen this no. cinema? I haven't either. I don't think so. Oh, I dude. don't think so. We've got an opportunity, boys. We need, to, we need to film this. Get Mel Gibson on the phone. Uh, or Scorsese. Or, or yeah, or Tarantino. Yeah, you know, Coen Brothers. Gosh. I love the Coen Brothers. We're <laughs> <laughs> yeah, turning it into it's a trap, Dave. Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> yep, and then we already talked about Centurion. Truly, this was the Son of God. I think that is a good proclamation to, to end this. Lovely, lovely episode on. Any last thoughts, guys? We were going to bring this to a screeching halt otherwise, so. Uh, I mean, yeah, just, I, I just, I find it fascinating and awesome that the scriptures are not um, apologetic about placing women at the most central places of the 
of the story. Uh, we totally didn't read verses fifty. We didn't actually get to fifty. Okay, I, no. Go ahead. Go ahead and read those real quick. Did we? No, we didn't. Oh, I'm would sorry. you? Would you read them real quick, Dan? Yeah. Just uh, it says many women were there watching from a distance. They had followed Jesus from Galilee to care for his needs. Among them were Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James and Joseph, and the mother of Zebedee's sons, James and John. Um, the only people in this entire passage that are painted in, like, decent light. You're right. Caring for his needs. I mean, uh, yeah, what did that look like? I mean, there's so much there. But, um, you know, obviously, one of the apologetics for the resurrection is that women were the primary mm. first account witnesses, and a woman's testimony would not be admissible in the court of law during that time. Uh, so the unlikelihood of them making this up because no one would have believed it. And so the authenticity of it really comes through. Um, But, you know, I don't know. I just, I guess I'm just really appreciative of Matthew making a point to just document. I mean, think about the courage. I mean, you had mentioned earlier, short of John, all the other disciples had fled. There's just an incredible amount of courage to be there. They're... They must be experiencing a similar mocking. I mean, the very least, they're mocking their Lord for Mary, her son. So there's courage there. There's, um, I'd love to know more what was the needs that they were caring for. What would that look like? Um, we know later from Luke that the women financed Jesus' ministry. So they're just so pivotal and woven into the story. Uh, in ways that maybe they don't get enough credit for. Yeah, thank you for mentioning that. I did not at all mean to leave that portion of the passage out. So sorry that we did, but thank you very much for bringing that up. Yeah. Well, that will change as your daughter gets older. And you begin <laughs> looking through through the different lens. Kennedy, is that right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. All of a sudden... Dad, I have three daughters, so you even start reading the Bible a little differently through a different lens. Because I want my I want my girls to be like it says in Acts, leading a house church or being the only ones bold enough to be there when any, everyone else is hurling insults and to be there caring for the needs, whether it's Jesus or somebody that Jesus would identify with. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, I'm. I guess I'm. I'm struck with just the importance of scripture. I know that's a just a for those of us that consider ourselves Christians. That okay, you read scripture and you pray, but just how we can never stop just being in the Word and wrestling with it, and and how it does have. Um, different meanings, different messages for us at different stages in our yeah. lives, different perspectives, and just even how you can read something so many times and be like, I didn't see that, right. or what, what really, what are the implications of that? So that's, yeah. um, it, it is, it is truly living. It is truly, God is present in the word. And it is, um, 
I'm grateful that the curtain was torn and I do not have to rely on someone to tell me what the word means, but that the Holy Spirit shows up and is active with us in Scripture. And we are ever, ever evolving. A nice word for, anyway. <laughs> ever maturing in our faith. Well, and uh, reading in community. So just sitting here with you guys tonight and knowing that you guys have now done this a hundred times together. Isn't that crazy? And you, you're still not done with Matthew. You're either incredible slackers. We're slackers. <laughs> or, or you're geniuses. And uh, I prefer the latter because uh, there's something powerful about reading the scriptures in community, just sitting in it together and just living with it. So thanks for letting me be a part. We appreciate very, you giving yeah. up your time and being here. and Very glad to have you. Friday night into Saturday morning, officially now. <laughs> Come on. All right. Well, I think that's it for episode 100. If you want to get in touch, and please do, there's obviously a lot uh, that we discussed in this episode. You can get Dave on Twitter. He's at David J. Hogue. I'm at Cam Brennan. Are you on Twitter? No, his his Twitter deal is you know real men is? don't tweet. Yes, <laughs> that's awesome. Real men don't tweet. Real, All right, you can find me at real men don't tweet. That's, is that really what it is? Yeah, I, I think. I think that's funny. Uh, it is my handle. Oh gosh. <laughs> Do you call it a handle? I don't. Yeah. Know. Yep. Oh man. Uh, email us hello at supermegacorp.net. And uh, show notes will be at supermegacorp.net slash masterclass slash 100. Until next time, say bye, guys. Bye. See ya.